The transplant, you know, it's, it just changes your life because of that one person. My life has gone on for so many years now. Somebody's a hero. And if I can save other lives, that's maybe what I'm meant to be here for. I just feel like maybe this is my purpose. From Lifeline of Ohio, this is To Be Continued. Stories of life, loss, and legacy. A podcast produced in partnership with Westler Media. For as long as she can remember, Mary Collins has always loved giving back. Whether it's helping care for her grandfather when she was a child or volunteering at the local hospital, Mary takes pride in her contributions to her community and the lives of the people closest to her. She was not thinking about her own mortality at 19 years old. Few teenagers do, but she was left with no choice but to confront it when her doctor told her she had severe kidney damage. She was told that she would be on medication for the rest of her life and that she should never have children. But this diagnosis didn't stop Mary from living her best life. Through her experience, Mary became stronger and more independent. She is an inspiration to those closest to her, and her desire to give back only grew after her transplant. My name is Mary Collins, and I'm from Columbus. I'm a volunteer, and I'm an ambassador advocate for Lifeline of Ohio. When I was growing up, I mean, you could go out in the neighborhood and make all kinds of friends. You can go to their house and, and you know, what they say is when the streetlights come on, you go home. And that's the kind of way I grew up. I like giving back. And even before, you know, my kidneys failed and I became a, a volunteer with Lifeline of Ohio, it's just something I always liked doing. When I was 14, I was a volunteer at Mount Carmel West. And I did that until I was 19. And then at 19, I was a volunteer at Children's Hospital for about a year. Throughout her childhood, Mary demonstrated a compassionate desire to help those struggling with their health. But after one fateful day at the age of 19, Mary would soon find herself struggling with health issues of her own. When I had that massive headache, it just hurt real bad. I was vomiting and and ended up having to go to the hospital. They gave me an IV and brought my blood pressure down. At that time, they didn't know why my blood pressure was running so high. I followed up with my family doctor, and he ran some tests, and he said, uh, we're going to need to put you in the hospital. So I was basically enjoying all that life had to offer at 19. And you don't think of things serious at that age. You think only old people, you know, have these health issues. And and so I didn't think of anything bad. I just kept thinking positive. And he said, I'm going to need to put you in the hospital. And I looked at him. I said, well, let me check with my supervisor and I'll get back with you. And he looked at me. He said, no, Mary, today. So he put me in the hospital. I was in Doctors West for about a week. Then the doctor there told me they were going to need to send me up to Cleveland Clinic to see a kidney specialist. And then that's when I realized something was going on. So they run a bunch of tests. And then the doctor told me up there that my kidneys were damaged. The right one was a third smaller than the left one. They didn't know why that happened or what caused it. They said I would have to take blood pressure medicine for the rest of my life and that I shouldn't have any children. I said, okay, and I went on with my life. I took my medicine 
And uh, I wasn't trying to get pregnant, <laughs> but, you know, I ended up getting pregnant three times in which I miscarried those three times. And then when I was pregnant with my oldest daughter, Christy, they told me I had to stay in bed three weeks straight without getting up except to go to the bathroom because otherwise I would lose her. And it's like, I didn't want to lose her. You know, I just felt like this is my last chance because I, I always wanted to have at least uh, one child. You know, I got to protect this baby. The doctor gave me some medication to keep me calm and keep me from having a seizure because of everything. And I just felt loopy. And I told the doctor, I'm not taking all this. And uh, so he cut me down and everything was fine. But then I started bleeding. And then when I started bleeding, that's when he told me that we're going to have to take this baby. I looked at him and I said, but I'm only 26 weeks. And uh, he said, if I don't take this baby, you're going to hemorrhage from everywhere. So I just closed my eyes and I prayed to God and they took me in. And uh, then when I came to, I was told I had a little girl. And I remember smiling and then going back to sleep and knowing that it's in God's hands. She weighed one pound, nine ounces. I just kept praying and praying and I kept visiting her. Eventually she started growing and she got better and she was able to come home. It was just so sweet. Just the most precious thing you could ever uh, feel in your arms. Then the following year, when I was pregnant with my second daughter, I went 30 weeks with her and they had to take her. And at that time, they told me that my kidneys, if they didn't take her right away, my kidneys would shut down. They took her, she weighed two pounds and 10 ounces. It was frightening knowing that, you know, I still had this other one that was still pretty small and then have another one on the way. And because of my health issues, the doctor then told me that when they delivered her, that they was going to tie my tubes. It was scary being put back in the hospital, knowing that they was going to tie my tubes and, and knowing that, you know, she's going to be early too. But at least I went longer, so I knew there was a better chance. They tied my tubes, and then they also took out my appendix because I was open for so long that they said they had to do that. Something happened in the surgery. My blood pressure got out of control, but I was in the cardiac care intensive care unit for like three days after having my daughter Misty. You know, these lifts that they put under people to lift them up just to change their bed, they had to put me on one of those, and that hurt really bad. But my thought was I got to get strong to go back to see my baby. There was no person per se that gave me the strength. It was just, you know, having faith and knowing that I'm going to go on. The nurses had uh, taken a picture with a lollipop, and this, <laughs> this little sucker was almost as big as her face. But, yeah, they let her lick on that. It was just so cute. That's the first glimpse I've got to see of her until I got out of there. With my first one, I went up there every single day to visit with her until she came home. With my second one, I couldn't go up there every day after she was born. I went every other day. I just felt exuberated being able to see that I have two little girls and that they're so precious. At first, they're being babies. They don't really interact with each other. 
too much. And then as time went on, they interacted with each other more and they became like best of friends for a long time. Later on, something didn't feel right. I was starting to feel run down. It wasn't anything I could put my finger on. But I remember when I went to my doctor, I told him, I said, I feel like I'm in a corner and I can't get out. He runs some tests, and then he said that he would have to send me to a kidney specialist. So then that's when it's like, oh, this doesn't sound good. My uh, husband at the time, which is now my ex-husband, and then also my father went in with me, and the doctor was explaining about my kidneys, and that at that point I was down to about 12%. And he told me, he said, in, in nine months to a year and a half, your kidneys will fail. So he gave me a book to take home to read, to make a decision on what I wanted to do when that time came. So I went home and read the book. After learning about her options, Mary decided to go on dialysis, which she did for the next two years. I mean, I couldn't work. I just spent time with doing things with the girls. My girls are my biggest motivator. You know, children can make you see things differently or just be an uplifter. And, you know, I spent time with my friends, anything to keep busy. I've told all my girlfriends that God puts you in my life at this particular time. It was different times when I met different women. And I just felt like that, you know, they were put there at that time for a reason. And I feel like maybe this happened to me for a reason, to be able to show people that you can be strong and, and uh You can deal with things and and still go on. I have a lot of uh, people that have told me how I inspire them. I don't know what it is that I do that inspires them, but they tell me that. I feel like what, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Because of the divorce and my girls being preteen, I just didn't feel like I was ready mentally to go through the major operation of a transplant. So that's why I chose the dialysis. But then after doing that for two years, every night, then I decided I was ready, both mentally and physically. They did the workup, all kinds of blood work. They put you through a mental test and then put me on the transplant list. December 94 is when I went on the list. And January 95 is when they called me for the first time. I went to the hospital. They did the workup. And then the doctor comes in the room and I'm thinking, this doesn't, for some reason, it doesn't seem right. I don't think the doctor is supposed to come in before they do the transplant. But he came in and he told me that he was sorry that something was wrong with the kidney and that uh, I, they wouldn't be able to put the kidney in. You get yourself worked up going to the hospital and you're there and they do all these tests and you're ready. It's like, okay, uh, I think I'm ready. And even though it's a big thing and I'm going to make it through this. I know God's watched me and helped me through everything else, and I'm going to get through this. And then the doctor comes in. It's just like a big letdown. It was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I guess it's not meant to be. The next call was in February, and that's when I had bronchitis. And, of course, that knocked me out of being the person. Then I got a call, I think it was the following month, That was when they told me that I would be a backup because they always choose one person to be the main person. And then for some reason, if something's not going to work out right, then they have a backup person. So I was the backup person, but I never got a call back on that one. And then um, April 23rd, it was 11 o'clock at night. The news had just come on and uh, 
the phone rang, and Christy answered the phone. And then she started shouting, Mom, they got a kidney for you. They got a kidney for you. And so my mind was all over the place. And uh, they told me to come in the next morning, early in the morning. And so, uh, you know, my ex had, you know, kept the girls, and, and he even took me to the hospital. You think about, you know, not being on dialysis anymore and how your life may change with that. You know, think about my girls and how their life would change. And also think about, you know, if I get a kidney, that means somebody else's family member lost their, their loved one. It's a mixed bag of things. And then I get there and then I just, I felt like I was shaking pretty bad. And I remember they wheeled me in the hallway near the operating room. I was just laying there and I was praying to God, you know, I know you're gonna see me through this and you know how scared I am. And um, that might've been the only time where I was a little bit worried about maybe I wouldn't come out of it, but I did. And I got a beautiful gift. A transplant, you know, is, it just changes your life. You know, somebody's a hero because my life has gone on for so many years now because of that one person and their family. I just felt exuberated. I felt lucky. I was sad for the family that lost their loved one. I was happy knowing that I would no longer have to do the dialysis. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Mary's connection to donation did not stop there. Years later, she received a tissue donation after doctors discovered a collapsed disc in her neck. And she later informed her daughter about placenta donation after her daughter found out she needed a C-section. I told her, I said, if you have to have a C-section, contact Lifeline and let them know because they have this placenta donation where, you know, they will take that and help uh, save other lives. So she said, okay, she contacted them. I think she got noticed that there was like 50 people helped because of the placenta that she donated for my granddaughter. Mary has had her kidney for 26 years now. She spends her days with her second husband, Brian, playing with her grandchildren and as a volunteer for Lifeline of Ohio. I'm an ambassador advocate for Lifeline of Ohio. It's an outlet, a way to give back, a way to continue to be a volunteer. If I can go to, I would go to a lot of health fairs. When people come by and you talk about organ, eye, and tissue donation, and they'll look at you, and then I ask them, have you ever met a recipient? And they say, no. And I say, well, I'm a recipient. And it's like they do a double take. Really? Wow. And I tell them, and I tell them how many years. And it's just like, that seems to make a big impact. And uh, hopefully, you know, they'll, uh, you know, sign up. And I encourage them to talk to the family and friends and coworkers and neighbors. And if I can save other lives, that's maybe what I'm meant to be here for. I just feel like maybe this is my purpose, to help spread the word, to help save more lives, and to be around to take care of my uh, grandbabies. This has been To Be Continued, a podcast from Lifeline of Ohio, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. 
Production credits to Jessica Peterson and Patrick Klinger from Lifeline of Ohio's Public Relations team, and Sharon Sindrich, Director of Communications and Public Relations. This series was produced, mixed, and sound designed at the studios of Wessler Media. And while this is the end of the episode, it's not the end of the story. Visit lifelineofohio.org to learn more, or visit the link in the show notes. Because when you register to become an organ, eye, and tissue donor, your legacy may allow someone else's life to be continued.